continue to worship and give thanks to God and praise.
Heavenly Father, we just have so much to be thankful for, and this song reminds us 
of the many blessings that you give us, if we were to count them, we couldn't probably count them all. But how blessed we are, Father God, that you sent your Son for us, to die for us, to give us eternal life, and to give us the life in America that we have here that we are so blessed to have. God, you're so wonderful. Please receive our gifts as tokens of gratitude for all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Amen. privilege that we can still worship God the way freedom that we have and also the many other blessings that we have in this nation because of your service and for those who laid their lives down for us. We just give you thanks and praise the Lord for that. Um, at this time, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We are so blessed in this country, and we thank you for this week that you sent us rain. We're grateful for that. And we thank you also, too, Father God, for the veterans who gave their lives and those who still are with us, that gave up time and family and, and put themselves on the line so that we could be free in this country today. We thank you for all those who put themselves out there so we can enjoy the freedoms that we have. And right now, Lord, we want to thank
thank you also too for the blessings that you give us we just talked about that and sang about it and lord help us to be more mindful to be thankful that way father because it really lifts our hearts and today heavenly father too we pray for our country and all that is going on some of it we do know some of it we hear about some of it we don't even know what the true story is but we know that you do and you're in control and everything that happens you don't get caught off guard by and that you're in control. I thank you, God, for watching over us and for this nation. And I just pray that it can continue to bless America, Father. I pray also, too, Father God, for those that we know in our church um, that are um, not doing well in their lives. I think especially, Lord, of the those who are shut in from our midst. I think of Bill, I think of Evelyn, I think of Karen, and I know Kay now has had another bout, I believe, with sickness, and uh, just pray that you'll help her be with Joyce also. I wanna pray too, Lord, for marriages, uh, several marriages that I know, friends, believers, who are struggling right now in their marriages, some are going through some pretty difficult stuff. I just pray, Lord, that they will look to you, Christ, and put you as the center of that marriage and that they see that things can change and be different with you, Lord, in control. I pray also, too, Father God, for those who are battling sicknesses and going through difficulties with their health. I think of Nick. I think of um, also for... Uh, the Mama family and their daughter who continues to battle her cancer and brain. I think of John in our Bible study on Tuesday morning who shares with us over the uh, Zoom, uh, over Zoom and, and that I just pray for him, Lord, for his healing. I think of Betty's brother-in-law and for Sarah and for Howard. I pray for these, Lord, as they battle their health issues. I pray for the Mama family, uh, and also too, Lord, I pray for the Gum family. As, Lord, you came to take Daniel this past week, I thank you for his love for you, but be with his family as they grieve his loss, and also too, be with the police department as they grieve. Many of them knew him well, cared about him, that you will bless them also, Lord, with your comfort and your grief, and also... Help them to look at their eternal destiny, Lord, and help them to see what's important. I pray, Father God, too, for those that we know have addictions and, and struggle. I think of Ryan and Jordan and David and Eric and Ricky and Mitch. These guys still battle every day. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they will see you and make the changes in their life. And Father God, we think of other things that are going on around us, some churches that are going through difficulties, and especially right now our church. As next week on Sunday night we get together with the classes of the Reformed Church, that you'll give us words to say, that you work in that situation, that a wonderful glory can come from that, and that our church, Lord, can move forward and send out a message to the denominations and to denominations who have been unfaithful to you. 
that they see the truth and the truth sets them free. And now, Father God, I pray this now as we come to your word, help us to hear your word. Help us to see what it has to say and help us, Lord, not to just be hearers, but be doers of it, Christ. In your name we pray, amen. There was a fellow from Illinois who was a hunter and he decided that he wanted to go hunting. And so he went to uh, Wisconsin and there he shot three ducks, but they fell in another field that he wasn't hunting on. And when he went to go over the fence to get them, a farmer pulled up with his tractor. He said, you can't come over here. This is my land. He said, well, I wanted to retrieve my ducks. He said, you can't do it. So I'm going to call my Chicago lawyer. The farmer said, no, we don't do things that way here. We do the three kick rule. Number one, I kick you three times. And then if I, you survive, then you kick me. So, okay. So he kicks the guy in the shin with his metal boot. Oh. Then in the stomach. And finally in the head. And the guy is dazed. And he says, okay, it's my turn. The farmer says, nah, I give up. Go ahead and get your ducks. Well, sometimes people like to fight. Some people just like it for its fun value rather than for the truth that they're worried about. And a lot of them don't. But today we're going to talk again with Paul. This is why I tell you that I preach books of the Bible, because you can't sidestep the issues. And this is a very divisive issue in the church. It's been since Paul's day, and that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And what happened is, if we remember what has been going on, and Paul has been dealing with all the problems that the Christians that he started this church with had problems with. And the IMs were in there. Number one, immorality was a big problem there. And he discussed that in the previous chapters. Then also the immaturity of the people. And how they used certain things like food for idols and stuff like that. They weren't very compassionate towards one another. And they weren't thinking very well. And tonight, today, we're dealing with the immaturity of using the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God has enabled the church with. And then we're going to talk about also immortality, that they didn't understand what was going to happen to them after they died in Jesus Christ. But the topic of spiritual gifts has been very much, even in our day and age, has been a challenge for the church. You see, historically, Catholics, Methodists, Moravians, and Pentecostals have believed that the continuation of those gifts continue on. And that dispensational Baptists and Reformed and Presbyterians and Anglicans say that most of them have ceased, if not all of them. And in the middle, you have the Lutherans who are open but cautious about them, which is a great place to be. But what we know is, is that the canon was closed. And many were concerned about People adding to scripture. And if you listen to the radio, sometimes you'll hear some pastors say things that are not biblical and something that's come into their mind but is not the truth of the word and goes against the truth of the word. And so what we have here is we have cessationists, which are people who say they ceased. 
And then there's on the other side that there's the continuationists that continue. And there's different branches of cessationists. Some believe that certain gifts stopped right after the apostles died. Some believe all of them stopped. There's some who say are consistent and say just the miraculous gifts have stopped. And then there's some who say that concentric, and that means that they still can use them in unreached areas of the world where the Bible is not there. John Calvin himself sought to end the gifts of the Spirit at the apostolic age. Because he believed, as Scripture shows us, they authenticated Jesus and the apostles and their work and the power of God within them. However, he was concerned, too, about the Roman Catholic Church in that time where they were talking miracles and using miracles to dissuade people back from the Protestant Reformation. And so he came down hard. Now, today, if you go on the TV, you can see Kenneth Copeland on one side, who's faith and speaking in tongues, and that is the apostle, and there's all kinds of things that he says. And on the other hand, you have John MacArthur, who is totally on the opposite and says the apostolic gift, the speaking in tongues that we know today are not really the speaking tongues of the New Testament. So where does that leave us? Where does this leave us in the Bible? Well, today I come to you as no great knowledge, but it's in the Word of God. And today I want to explore that because what it is, is that God has provided for us through the Holy Spirit, gifts to be utilized, not for our own personal gain, not to look good, not to make ourselves look so spiritual, which is what was going on in Corinth at that day, but that we're using them not for our good, but for the good of the body of Christ. And that's what they're there for. And so as we look, as Paul had this question now by the uh, Corinthians, what about spiritual gifts? Paul starts out now concerning spiritual gifts. He's going to basically teach us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I do not want you to be unaware. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking of the Spirit of God God says Jesus accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul wants us to understand, number one, that you cannot say Jesus Christ is Lord without the Holy Spirit. If he has not changed your heart, you have not come to Christ, the Holy Spirit has not touched you. And you can't say Jesus is cursed. So what we both understand here and what Paul is saying to us these people were led by idols, but he says, now the Holy Spirit has touched you and you can say Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's key to understanding the gifts, that these gifts are spiritual in nature and that we confess the same Lord who overrules all this and that there is all kinds of gifts. In fact, in the Bible, there's three places where the gifts are listed. They're 19, but they're not all, all of them. There are other gifts that we don't know about, but we do them anyway. And what the Paul is saying here is that I want you to be aware of these spiritual giftings. 
when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's certain things you will do. And that is that you will say Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you're not, then you're going to say Jesus is accursed. And when you have the spiritual being in you, the Holy Spirit, you're going to do things that God has called you to do. That maybe you have never done before or can't do. But guess what? God is going to give you a gift to be able to do it. And to be able to minister and function in Christ's name. Now these spiritual gifts are not material. They are spiritual. They are things that happen within you. That work in you. That give you a supernatural ability. To do things for the glory of the Lord. And there are things that will surprise you. That you've never done. And may only do one time. Because in the next chapter. We're going to talk about that gifts. Don't last. Whereas the fruit of the Spirit is part of your character that God builds in you through the Holy Spirit. And that these supernatural gifts are there so that you can minister to the body. Now some people say, well Dave, you're a professional. You're a professional religious guy. <laughs> Put that out of the picture right now. You are all ministers of God. And God enables you to minister to people that I never see or touch or see. Through his Holy Spirit. And you may say, well, I you know, can't bridge that topic. You can. And if you do, God, the Bible says, he will promise to give you things to say. And how to minister to them. He says it in Matthew's Gospel in the Beatitudes. That when you're brought before people, that he'll give you even the words to say. That's the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying to us is that I'm going to gift you for doing ministry. Now, you don't have to go around saying, well, what do I want today from God for gifts? No, when you do ministry and you put yourself out there, he will supply you with gifts that you never realized before. And look what he says in verses 4 through 7. Now, there are a variety of gifts, the same spirit. There are varieties of ministry, the same Lord. There are varieties of effects but the same God who works in all persons. But each one was given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Notice what he does. He speaks about the Trinity. He talks about, number one, that if there's a variety of gifts that all God has for us. And that he says there are gifts that are given because of the same Spirit that lies within us. And that we also have variety of gifts that are necessary for certain situations. And there are a variety of effects, he says, from the same God. And notice what he says about all these spiritual gifts. He says that they're for the common good. They're not for us to look good. They're not for our own personal enjoyment. Rather, it's for our personal deployment of them in the world. And to be used to help edify, encourage, and comfort one another as we go through difficult times in our lives. And you will see that as you go out into the world and as you are part of the world now and as you minister to relatives and friends, God will give you those things in his gifting. He'll give people, for instance, there are some people who have natural talents. And that's wonderful. Steve plays beautifully here, and he's worked hard on it, and he has a natural talent for music. But that's not what he's talking about. 
These are different than talents. These are something that you didn't have that the Holy Spirit puts in you to be able to minister in certain situations. And, it's in, and sometimes it will shock you and that you will understand that it's only temporary. And you can go around and think that you're, but no, it's not all about you. It's about God using you in a situation. I remember one time I went to a hospital room early in the ministry. And you know, I pray with everybody. But there are certain times that God works, especially. And I don't claim to have the gift of healing, folks. I don't. But I've seen God work in people's lives. And I don't know why he chooses some to be healed and some not. That's not for me to know. I just want to be utilized by God. And I prayed over this woman who had been an invalid for several years. And the next time I came, she was walking. And the doctors don't know why. Now I do. I know what happened. God healed her. And that God used that to glorify his name to her and to her family and to the nurses around and doctors. But you see, that wasn't me. That was God working through me, through the prayer that brought this woman up. And see, that's what it's about. It's for serving others. There are people that I've prayed for after that and still, and there's some people who have also experienced healing, but there's a lot more that did not. And I trust God's will that he knows exactly who's to be healed and who's not. And you'll find that in your own life. And that the spiritual gifts, you see, are given by the sovereign hand of God. He knows who needs what, and it's not because they're any great person or what, but because his purposes are served when he gives that gift to bring it out. And that we are enabled to do ministry to people. That's why he gives the gifts. And there's a warning. There's some people who are gifted people and have natural talent, but they don't give God the glory. And there's some people who are not even godly people who try to replicate the gifts. We've seen that. You've probably seen it on TV. And what's more important is that we get the money to come in. See, that's not God's way. And that we understand that God uses gifts in you and in me to help edify, encourage, comfort, and give people what they need. And if you understand anything about the gifts, the gifts come and go. We'll see that in our next chapter when we consider the love chapter. But there's fruit. And the word is not fruits, but the word is fruit of the Holy Spirit. That as you grow in the Lord, and as the Holy Spirit continues to take over your life, you will see things in your character that will change. And there's Paul in Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That will begin to be part of you as you grow deeper in your relationship with God. And they stay with you throughout eternity. 
But the spiritual gifts, they come and go as God gives them. And, they sh- and he gives them at times in particular that you need them to help other people in the body of Christ and in the world. You see, he's the giver of the gifts. And so therefore that we need to continue to want to do his will. He will gift you. And that he'll be able to give you things that you've never been able to think you could do, that he will do. You see, that's why we call them charismatas. And that's why the word charismatic came from, is because what they are really is grace gifts. They're gifts of God's grace. We don't deserve them. We don't earn them. They're given to us in special situations that we need them in. And he provides them for. And notice what it says in verse 11 here. But the one in the same spirit works in these things, distributing each one individually just as he wills. God gives it to us. It's a special working inside of us that he uses and utilizes in you as you deal with certain situations in your life. And notice what he also says, we are many but one. You see, the body of Christ, we make up many, many different people. And the body of Christ has many members, but it also has many people with all varieties of gifts, and we're supposed to fit in together. And as we fit in together, we work as a team. And everybody has their own gifting, which he gives us. Now, what he talks about here, he talks about the baptism of the Spirit. For even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all members of the body, though they are many, are one body, and also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into the body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of the Spirit. So here the Apostle Paul is saying to us, because we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, when your life was touched by the Holy Spirit and you gave your life to Jesus, what happens at that moment is that your old self, Paul says it in Galatians chapter 2.20, you know, I'm crucified with Christ. And what he's talking about is that your heart went through this thing where the You were buried in the water of the Holy Spirit's baptism. And the old Dave Henyon died there. And you were raised with Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. And that now you no longer live for Dave, but you live for the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus Christ. And that change takes place inside of you. And you become new inside. And then this spirit that God gives us and these gifts that he gives us so that we can, and there's no division what color or race or whatever. It's all who are baptized in the Holy Spirit and that we receive that baptism at the day. And and what happens is, and this is the beautiful thing, you're changed And we begin to look different about life. 
And, and, and the Bible says that that baptism buries our old self and raises up, up to new people. And we're new creations in Christ. And then the Bible then says, but there's still what we need every day. And it's a continuous. In the Greek, it's the aorist tense, which means at this point you receive Christ, but then this whole idea of filling of the Holy Spirit is a continuous process that we need to have done every day. And one of the reasons why is because we need to confess our sins and allow the Holy Spirit to take control of us. Because what happens is sin gets in the way and blocks us from doing what we should do. And that's why we need this continuous filling of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you and I confess our sins and say, Lord Jesus, fill us with the Holy Spirit now, he fills us with this joy and strength and helps us in continuing to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and then gives us these capabilities to be used by him in different ways in the body of Christ. And that as members of this one body, we then can minister to each other in many different ways. And that the unity comes as we grow together in Christ. This is the tragedy of the church. There's a lot of people who get into church and they're not being filled by the Holy Spirit. And they have arguments and fights. We wonder why. It's because the Holy Spirit is not working. Because we haven't allowed him. And he, doesn't, he says to us that we're not to be, think of ourselves lowly, no matter what gift he gives you, but to think of yourself as a child of God called in the membership of the team to fulfill certain responsibilities and deals to help people come to know him and to grow in him. And to focus not on the gift, but continue to focus our, our eyes and lives on Jesus and keep our focus on him. We see this, folks. There's nobody. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, Dave's got the gift of preacher. Dave's got the gift of teacher. And that's way up. No, it's not. I have the gift of service. Oh, I can put chairs away and I can do this and I can do that. They're all the same. They're all needed in the body of Christ. There are some people who have, I believe, the gift of service. There's others who have the gift of hospitality. There's others who have the gift of, 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 of speaking to other people that I cannot. But you see, it's all together. Nobody's to look down at others. Because we're all needed together in the body of Christ. You know, we've, some of you are football fans. And I know some of you watch Tom Brady with the stellar career that he's had all his life. But you know what? He's having problems right now not doing what he normally does. And do you know why? He gets paid billions of billions, bazillions of dollars. But there's five people in front of him that don't get paid as much as he does. And without them doing their job, he can't get off the big 60 yard bomb that he normally will do to win a game or be able to be as accurate with his passing because he's running for his life with a 300 pounder chasing him down the field. And Paul is saying to us through the spirit 
that everybody in the body of Christ is needed, no matter what your gift is. And we're all on the same level because we're doing it for this glorious God that we have. And he wants us to utilize the gifts so that we can get further down the road in our spirit, own spiritual lives, but also to help others. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to do so well. And he says, God supplies us with these gifts. Notice how he uses an illustration from his day. He uses the body. Look what he says, for the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for the reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And Paul goes on with this dialogue about the body. And what he says is that we need every part of the body. I mean, how many of you at night in the dark are reminded of a part of the body that you don't think really that much about, especially when you stubbed your toe? Does that remind you that it's there? And are you grateful that maybe you did stub your toe because you would have walked into the wall or walked into something else? And that fulfilled a very important part for you. Well, Paul is saying that to this. He says the eye needs the ear. And the ear needs the eye. The eye needs the hand. The hand needs the eye. The hand needs the foot. The foot needs the... Why? Well, if it's just an eye, you can see where you need to go, but you're not going to get there. And when you get there, if you have, you're a foot and you can get there, but you don't have a hand then you're not going to be able to do what you need to do. And Paul is using this argument here to intensify, to get the people of Corinth to understand that you need each other. And everybody has a role in the gift and that everybody is important and their roles are important so that it all gets done. And so therefore, you are many work together with one, which is Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we glorify God because we accomplish much. And that's why he then says, we're members of one body. And when that happens, look what happens. We feel the pain. When you stub that toe, you feel the pain. When we know somebody, our brother or sister is hurting, we feel the pain. We suffer with them. We ache with them. And when they are honored, we rejoice with them. That's so sad when the body of Christ doesn't rejoice all the time with each other and gets jealous or selfish. I've seen some of that in the church and it has no place in the church if we're walking by the Spirit of God. And then Paul goes on to say, now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. And God has appointed in his church first apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? 
All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And what he's saying to us here is that as you go along, look for God to show you and bring to you as you put on more things in your life towards other people and loving them in Christ, you will see gifts and experience gifts inside of you that you never had before. And then Paul says, look, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Because even though gifts are wonderful gifts to have and to use, to be used for God's glory and that the greatest thing and we're going to talk about it next week is love. Love is the one that should be the anchor to us as Christians and that we use it for his glory and every part of the body then knows its job and works together and is able to encourage to edify and lift up others when we have a healthy body, it works great. But when our body is suffering in one part, it can be tough. And so Paul speaks about this. And you see, what he's saying to the Corinthians is what he's saying to the church. For us, sometimes it's really, I didn't know I had a spiritual gift. You got a spiritual gift. God gifts you. At different points in your life, he'll gift you. Some of us not even aware that we have a spiritual gifts. Or a gift. But Paul is saying here to the Corinthians, this is not a competition of spirituality. Folks, he's saying this is a cooperation. Together. We work together and that we share these grace gifts for the perfection and the work of the church in Jesus Christ in the world. And that we don't earn it. And again, is a gift of God's grace. And that we need each other. And the Holy Spirit will energize us. That's what the word is. It's dunamis. It's the energizing work of the Holy Spirit that comes into us. And that when he does that, the love that we have, the compassion that we have for other people will be there. Now Life Magazine had a picture of two soldiers. Excuse me of two Argentinian soldiers who had been in battle. And the picture was a beautiful picture of what really spiritual gifts are. Because both of the men were lacking. One was this huge six foot five soldier. But in the battle, he got his eyes blown out, lost his eyesight. And he was carrying this young little man who was also just a rookie in the army. But he had his legs blown off. And when the battle stopped, they continued to hang with each other. And they worked together. And the big soldier was the one who used his legs. And the one who lost his legs used his eyes to direct them to where to go. And they had a symbiotic relationship. And that's what we are in the church. God gives us these gifts to mesh together, to work together, to do his work for the kingdom together. 
And that's why Paul calls us, number one, to discern God's gift for you. And don't be afraid to jump out and do things because he will supply you with the energy, the gift that you need. And you do it by employing yourself in active work of God in the world you live in. And that the Holy Spirit's going to enable you through that. And that you do it for the common good. And that it will bring an enjoyment to you in serving. God will bestow on you a gift to glorify him with. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for these folks right now. Each one of us, Lord, you've given gifts to. Help us to utilize them. Help us to step up and do things, Lord, and that we feel your enablement to do it. Help us, Lord, to do it for the common good. Help us, Lord, to enjoy. We know when the Holy Spirit comes inside us, he gives us that joy, that peace, that gentleness. When the world tries to rob us, help us to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit and bear the fruit rather than feel the frustrations. Thank you, God, for being present here for us today and guiding us. Through Jesus Christ we pray this. Amen. At this time we'll receive the Lord's Supper. Last week we talked about this and the scriptures talked about what our communion service is to be. It's to be a communion of remembering, a communion together of the presence of God and the great hope that we have. And he says, we came in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ, sent of the Father into the world to assure us that our flesh and blood are fulfilled by obedience to his to divine law, even the bitter and shameful death on the cross. And by his death and resurrection and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by him. We come also to this communion with the same Christ who has promised to be with us always even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us into eternal life. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as a vine in whom we must abide if we bear fruit. We come also in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge of, and foretaste of the feast that we're going to take part in when his kingdom is fully realized and when with unveiled face we shall behold him made like unto him in his glory since by his death resurrection and ascension he has obtained for us this life giving spirit it unites us all in this one body so that we are to receive this supper in true caring love mindful of all the saints. He tells us now, come, for all things are now ready. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Amen. In like manner also Jesus took the cup. When they had supped, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away all our sins. Father, we are so grateful for what you've done for us. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to serve you. We feel very privileged to do so. I ask you now, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Send your gifts upon these folks as they go out and do that and be obedient to your will, Jesus. Thank you for not leaving us alone, but enabling us greatly. And it's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen. Please rise for the benediction and our closing song. Since this is Thanksgiving, I want to keep this song going. If you're ever feeling down or having a bad day, I tell many people who go through this that one of the best pieces of therapy you can do is count your blessings. You find out what blessing you have. It lifts your spirit. And now, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit rest upon you now and forever. Amen. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done.